Hello from Boise, Idaho and Idaho Education News. This is Extra Credit, your weekly podcast looking at education policy and education politics. I'm Kevin Richard. And I'm Clark Corbin. Well, it's March, and it's time for March Madness at the State House. There is a lot of stuff going on in all of the education committees and, and on the floors. And we've got elections going on, so we've got a lot to get to in these next 20 or so minutes of podcasting. Where do you want to start, Kevin? A busy week in the House, right? Yeah, and I think we do want to start with House Bill 590. That number may not ring a bell with people yet, but this has become maybe the hottest topic in education at the State House this year. Big crowd at the uh, at the House Education Committee on Wednesday. You were able to shoehorn in and listen in and cover the thing. Yeah, more than 100 people uh, lined up outside the legislature's largest committee room on Wednesday morning to hear House Bill 590. And, and that's a bill uh, that supporters are pushing as a scholarship bill that certain students would be able to use to apply for tuition and fees uh, at a private school, uh, at a non-public online school, or for standardized testing, tutoring services, uh, any number of any number of things, but opponents are saying that this is sort of like a voucher mm-hmm. bill masquerading as a scholarship bill. And that's it's important to know that the the sponsor, Representative John Vanderwouda, has denied that it's a voucher bill and says that a voucher bill is specifically re- prohibited under Idaho's constitution. But he'd like to see this set the stage for tax credits. Right. That's exactly what this would be. And so there's there's like three or four different classes of students that could apply for this new scholarship if the bill is signed into law and then take that scholarship to a private school or an online school. It's for special needs students. It's for ask at-risk students. It's for students whose families come from poverty. And it's students who come from military families or have had a parent uh, killed in the line of duty. Those are the students that would be eligible uh, to receive this scholarship. And yes, uh, Representative Vanderwouda has said that while the bill as written right now would take no general fund money, he supports uh, using state tax credits to incentivize private corporations uh, to donate, or private individuals or corporations right. really, to donate yes. to the scholarship fund. And he's pushed similar bills in past sessions, so that's not terribly yeah. surprising. And some people are already saying that there are tax credits on the books that folks could use if this scholarship law is passed, so they may not need uh, to add another bill going forward. But that's uh, the tax credits is really where we see the opposition come down, and it's pretty much unanimous at this point from the major education groups in the state of Idaho, the School Boards Association, the Idaho Education Association, the PTA, the State Board of Education, the State Department mm-hmm. of Education. Uh, I it, Basically, all major Idaho education groups have opposed this bill, saying that through the tax credits, this would be diverting money away from state coffers that support public schools and public funds and then directing that towards these private schools. They say that is a hard line that they will not cross. And this is something, again, where we hear about the Blaine Amendment. Uh, we referenced it kind of in the uh, the lead-up to our discussion here. But the Blaine Amendment is the portion of Idaho's Constitution that's essentially the separation of church and state clause. It bans sending state money and state resources uh, to private parochial schools. And we've heard about that a lot, right, Kevin, right? right? right. And- that's the crux of this. Is this a workaround of the Blaine Amendment? That's been kind of uh, one of the criticisms that we've heard of House Bill 590. The depth of the opposition to House Bill 590, you know that anything that has to do with private education is going to uh, elicit opposition. It's a controversial issue. It's always been a controversial issue. As I mentioned, uh, Vander Wouda has presented similar bills in the past. Yep. Similar opposition has lined up. 
One thing that I thought was very interesting this week, Don Coberly, the superintendent of the Boise District, he wrote on his blog about House Bill 590. He had two main objections. First of all, he's not convinced that a voucher program really works in, in other states. He doesn't feel like the numbers support the idea that this improves student outcomes. But maybe more tellingly was he was saying, look, we've just come out of the bitter fight over the propositions in 2012. And since then, education groups have managed to work together. They've built a coalition. They've worked on things like the career ladder. They've worked on things like dual credit, uh, mastery education, and on down the list. And that there's a pretty good working coalition in education. And he's concerned that a divisive issue like a scholarship bill or a voucher bill, as, as he and other critics call it, threatens to undermine all of that uh, that coalition building that we've seen over the past few years. So uh, very, very controversial. And, and some drama at the House Education Committee hearing on Wednesday when it came down to a final vote. Yeah, I want to spend just a couple more minutes uh, on this topic. I think it could be one of the more controversial bills that we see for the remainder of the session. It's too early to say where it goes. Um, but before we get to the vote, and the vote was interesting, and I want to get to that, but I want to talk about a little bit of the pros and cons leading up to the vote. Now, supporters of the bill are saying this scholarship could help open more doors for more opportunities for more families who otherwise maybe couldn't afford a private school education, and maybe they think that they have a son or a daughter who could thrive under small class sizes or maybe a specialized style of learning that's offered at a private school. And so the supporters of this say that it's all about school choice and empowering parents. And those are two very powerful themes uh, that are valued deeply uh, among the Republicans who control the Idaho legislature. But opponents aren't just worried about the Blaine Amendment and the separation of church and state. Uh, several folks, including Rob Winslow from the uh, Idaho Association of School Administrators, said that he wonders why the state would ever incentivize families to send their students away from a public school to a private school. He said choice is alive and well in Idaho, and families have that decision, and we don't need this bill uh, to have school choice. But he's saying that not all private schools offer transportation and busing service uh, for their students. He also said private schools are not required to offer the same types of special education uh, programs for students with disabilities and at-risk mm -hmm. students uh, that your public schools do, that private schools cannot accept uh, the federal dollars to run these programs for at-risk and special needs students. And so in many cases, the private school may or may not even have those types of services available. And so it wasn't just the Blaine Amendment uh, that led to the opposition, but it passed out of the House Education it passed out of the House Education Committee on a very close vote. And the vote itself was really interesting, right. Kevin. Uh, it ended up uh, passing, and Chairwoman Julie Van Orden uh, was the swing vote. Now, Chairwoman Van Orden had some questions about uh, this bill. She wondered if it changed the role for the State Board of Education, and it certainly does appear. It does, and that's one of the concerns that the State Board had this week when they came out against it. But anyway, back to Van Orden. Yeah, she's wondering if it changes the State Board of Education's role, which it appears that it does, and the State Board of Education days later came out against this bill. They had not taken a position at the time the, the vote was called. Representative Van Orden also wonders if public schools would still continue to be on the hook for these private school kids if they accept the scholarship and leave a public school to go to a private school if there are special needs kids out there, Representative Van Orden wonders if 
the public school would still be on the hook for these students. And finally, she expressed concerns that the bill does not allow the State Board of Education uh, to go through the rulemaking process to sort of establish, it's a buzzword that I hate, but sideboards, essentially the parameters that would govern how the scholarship is implemented. This bill doesn't allow the State Board to do that. And she had some real concerns about this. It was a little bit dramatic. Uh, There was a motion to essentially kill the bill. That failed. Uh, The vote came to pass the bill, and it was sitting where Representative Van Orden could have made the difference. She knew she had the power to kill it on a tie vote, Uh, but in spite of that, in spite of her concerns, she said that she's going to vote to advance the bill out of committee, but will seek out follow-up information and reserve the right to potentially debate against it on the House floor, which just sets the stage for a potentially wild debate, right. maybe as soon as Monday. Right. With Van Orden's vote, this passed out of committee on an 8-6 to six vote, and now it goes to the House floor, as you mentioned, as early as Monday. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see if, uh, if this passes, and we will be there for, for full coverage of that whenever that vote comes. Could be as early as Monday. It, it's, it was an odd development. I think the chances of it passing the House floor are very, very strong uh, for the reasons that we talked about, the Republican supermajority valuing both school choice and parental empowerment. Really, the role of committees is to do the hard work vetting legislation. Uh, you see very few bills killed on either the House floor or the Senate floor every year. It's usually up to the committees to do the hard work vetting legislation. Usually, when a piece of legislation comes out of a committee, it has the committee's stamp of approval. We recommend that this pass. So this is getting interesting. But look for an interesting debate, uh, perhaps Monday. I think its passage, uh, its prospects for passage are very strong. Uh, but we'll see. The, the state board has since come out against the bill, whereas they were taking no position when the vote in committee right, uh, right. And, took place. And a lot of this opposition, you know, I mentioned Don Coberly is one superintendent who's opposed to it, but several other superintendents spoke at the House Education hearing on Wednesday. And I wonder... You know, those are folks who sometimes they've got the ear of their local legislator. And, you know, legislators, I'm sure at this point, realize how much opposition there is to this bill. And do they hear that? Do they listen to that? Do they heed any of that, uh, any of the criticism of this bill? So, you know, I understand what you're saying. If, uh, you, know, you know, definitely a, a school choice bill has a pretty good shot generally in the House, uh, where school choice has been uh, a pretty popular notion. But we'll see. You know, we'll see if they get to 36 votes. Um, you know, it'll be an interesting debate for sure. All right. Uh, stay tuned. We'll, we'll have full coverage of that next week or whenever it comes up again. We do have more big stories this week. Kevin, the 2018 primary election really heated up this week, especially within the state superintendent's race, which had been so slow up until this point, right? Right. We've, we've been waiting for months, and I think we've probably mentioned this uh, in previous podcasts, uh, what's going on in the superintendent's race, especially on the Democratic side. Uh, until Friday, we had no rumblings really of any kind of uh, uh, Democratic uh, candidacy for state superintendent. We now have two candidates who have emerged. Uh, Alan Humble is a retiree um, who lives in Boise. He's actually worked in the hospital industry before retiring. He he filed his paperwork actually last week, um, but he's not the only candidate. Uh, Cindy Wilson, who is a uh, teacher at Capitol High School, she teaches government at Capitol High School, she told me over the weekend that she's in the race as well, and she's filed some initial paperwork to to get into the race. Uh, 
her background a little bit. Um, she's been a teacher now for 30-some years, I think 32 years. Um, she was a member of Governor Otter's K-12 task force back in 2013, and she now sits on the State Board of Correction. Uh, Governor Otter appointed her to that board a couple of years ago. So she's got some, some interesting government uh, credentials in addition to her classroom credentials. But we've been kind of waiting to see, you know, who would emerge as, uh, as a, an opponent on the Democratic side. We now have two. That means that there will be a contested primary on the Democratic ticket, as well as the contested primary uh, on the Republican side between the incumbent, Sherry Ibarra, and Wilder Superintendent uh, Jeff Dillon. And that's what we know at this point. We have one more week of the filing period to go. Uh, we'll keep watching those filings, not just for state superintendent, but all of the races. Strange things tend to happen, especially at the deadline, which comes next Friday. So uh, stay tuned. Watch my blog all week as we get more filings and more developments. But, you know, some news on this race uh, that we've been kind of waiting to see and wondering if we would see. Yeah, Cindy Wilson does bring some name recognition um, into the race. You've met her before and profiled her before. Uh, and so it'll be interesting to watch uh, these races as we get closer. I do want to plug your blog, though. You're watching all the filings for all the races uh, from governor, from Congress, state superintendent, on down to the individual legislative races. And so if you're interested in uh, certain legislative committees, the House and Senate Education Committees, the Joint Budget Committees, you have kind of a working list of who's running, who said they're not running. Uh, you're kind of keeping it updated each day, right? Right, right. As Kind of a one-stop shop. Right. As soon as the state, uh, the Secretary of State's office updates its list, I'm updating our list with an emphasis on the state races and some of the key legislative races as they pertain to education. So, uh, keep an eye on that, and again, uh, check in next Friday for the final filings. Uh, that deadline comes at 5 p.m. All right, sounds good. Let's move on. A couple of, uh, speaking of elections, a couple of uh, sort of bond and levy-related uh, bills that are making their way school through elections. the legislature. Uh, school elections. Do you want to start with uh, Senator Mary Sousa's bill, Kevin? Yeah, I will catch you up on that. That's an issue that we've heard for the past couple of years. Mary Sousa, Senator from Coeur d'Alene has been pushing to move school trustee elections away from the May odd year ballot. And her concern is turnout. Yeah. And she has wanted to find a way to move the school board elections off of that date. What she has come up with is, it's a compromise of sorts. Uh, it would move these elections to um, November of odd number years. So basically, when you go to the polls and you vote for a mayor or you vote for city council races, you'll also see... Uh, local school board elections, if this passes. It's a compromise. The Idaho School Boards Association is not opposed to it. They'd really rather just keep the elections where they are. Right. But they can, they can live with this because their concern has been the idea of moving school board elections to November of even-numbered years, which would mean you'd be running a nonpartisan school board race at the same time you run a partisan race hyperpartisan race sometimes for president or governor or Congress or legislature. So this is kind of a, a compromise, and it passed the Senate on a 22 to 11 vote on, uh, on Tuesday. And now it goes over to the House, and we'll, uh, we'll watch it on the House side of the rotunda. Not the only no, school election. There was one that uh, showed up on the House floor that you were following, and this pertains to bond issues. Um, Heather Scott's... Uh, Repeat bond issue bill had a hearing on Thursday afternoon. What, uh, tell us what happened there. 
Yeah, uh, this is a bill, House Bill 639, that narrowly passed out of the House earlier this week on a, on a slim 37 to 32 margin. So it's heading over to the Senate right now as we speak. This was pushed, as you said, by Representative uh, Heather Scott, a Republican from Blanchard. And Heather Scott said this bill is all about limiting what she called aggressive taxation tactics where school boards that try to run a bond issue and see it fail, this bill would prevent them from running uh, the exact same bond issue or even a similar bond issue basically for another year. Right. Um, and uh, Representative Scott said that basically uh, we need to listen to the voters here, kind of a no means no, and uh, her intention is that uh, they could not run a subsequent similar bond issue for their patrons for another year. The idea being kind of wait, take a breath, retool this thing, go back to your voters and make the case. But the House was deeply divided over this right. bill, Kevin. And quite a lot of different counter-arguments against it. Um, you know, local control came up and the idea that this could leave school districts kind of kind of high and dry if they really need to deal with a, a safety issue. I thought one of the most interesting debates against the bill uh, came from Representative Ryan Kirby, uh, who, as far as I know, is the only former school superintendent serving in the Idaho legislature. And, and, and Representative Kirby told a story about when he was teaching in the new Plymouth School District, they had a fire. Uh, one of their schools burned to the ground, uh, and they had to send kids to school in churches and in trailers and kind of uh, makeshift classrooms to kind of make do. Uh, the school board uh, quickly got together a bond issue proposal, and it failed. And one of the barriers to passing bonds, as we talk about every year in the state of Idaho, is the supermajority thresholds. Uh, school districts need to convince uh, essentially a two-thirds supermajority of their voters uh, to vote for a bond in order for it to pass. And that's been a very high bar. And so Representative Kirby said that his concern here was what about that school district with unsafe facilities, a failing school, a failing roof, a, a fire, some other sort of emergency where they run a bond issue and fall just short of the two-thirds uh, requirement? And now if this bill is signed into law, they would have to wait a year uh, in the case of an emergency. And so Representative Kirby said... Why not include a carve-out for extenuating circumstances or safety or some sort of emergency otherwise? That's not in this bill right now. Right. Um, so certainly a, a controversial bill heading over uh, to the Senate. Right, and, and the process begins all over in the Senate. We see this a lot of times that a bill may pass one house and may not get anywhere in the other house or it may get derailed in the other house. We'll watch what happens as this hits the Senate side of the rotunda. I, I have no... Inside knowledge as to what may happen when this when this hits the the Senate side, but um, if the House vote is any indication, this is a this is a controversial bill as well that uh, that may have a, a may have a rough ride over on the Senate and side. And just we'll real quick, this is not for local school districts. This is not a hypothetical. This is not an academic exercise. There are some districts that are in this exact same position. Uh, as we've covered, the Bonneville School District in eastern Idaho, I believe, had to run three bonds. Uh, in order to secure uh, passage uh, in their growing district, and they're gearing up to run another bond mm -hmm. right now. Other districts, uh, especially districts experiencing uh, growth, uh, have run into this where 
We see it every year. A bond will fall just short of the supermajority. Uh, the school district, the school board will regroup, uh, turn around, maybe retool it a little bit, uh, maybe cut down the total price tag, uh, maybe drop uh, an elementary school or a gymnasium out of the package, right. uh, bring a slightly smaller package to voters, and then win approval on a subsequent time. So this is not a hypothetical exercise for school districts. This is a very real issue that several districts have found themselves right, right. in the middle exactly. of. Exactly. All right. Um, that catches us up with a lot of our top stories this week. But, Kevin, you had a chance uh, to look at AP scores and kind of look at some trends with some different numbers. Uh, some new data is out. Uh, but w- what are you looking at and what did you find? Yeah, the quick rundown of this is uh, advanced placement scores. Uh, this has become a, a priority. It's an area of emphasis now for the state because uh, high school students can take AP classes at state expense. It's part of this advanced opportunities program that allows students to, to take an AP class or a dual credit class at, at state expense. So the numbers that we're seeing for Idaho and, and AP, uh, AP performance are really important, and it really kind of ties into this whole initiative to try to get more high school kids thinking about college, preparing for college. So good news and bad news in the numbers real quickly, and you can get the full rundown at idahoednews.org. More students are graduating from high school with AP credits, and that translates into college credit. Yeah. Uh, so those numbers are improving, and that's uh, and that's good news. And state officials are, are happy to see that. But as I look at the numbers, Idaho still is lagging behind the national average. Uh, we rank, I believe, 39th in the nation in terms of the percentage of high school graduates who graduated with some kind of passing grade in some AP class. And we're losing ground nationally because those national numbers are going up more rapidly than the state numbers are going up. So if you think about this from a competitiveness standpoint, Idaho is improving, but the nation is improving as well. And if this is all about uh, preparing uh, kids for the workforce, preparing uh, preparing you know, workers yep. for the kind of uh, jobs that uh, employers are trying to fill, that that should be uh, an area of concern. So. Anyway, you can break down the numbers. We've got them in full detail at uh, idahoednews.org. It's a timely story. Uh, advanced coursework, advanced programs uh, such as these advanced placement courses have been a big uh, part of the state's push uh, for its go on and for its higher education goals. And so it certainly and, relates into and, many and topics. A, and it's a big budget line item because uh, the state is going to consider putting more money into this advanced opportunities program. I think the budget request now is for $15 million for 2018, 2019. Clark is nodding. I've got that number right. So I'll, I'll. But this is a big investment that the state is making to try to get more students to go on to college and to complete college. So um, seeing the AP numbers kind of puts it into, uh, into some new focus. All right. Sounds good. It's been a busy week in Friday. Uh, the day we're recording this podcast was particularly a hectic day. Uh, so we had a lot to get through, and we just kind of did it on the fly uh, today, but we did our best to catch you up. If you want to find out a little bit more uh, about what's going on, a couple of different options. You can head over to idahoednews.org, look for all of our top stories out of the legislature. Be sure to look for Kevin's blog, Tracking the Election Filings. If you're a fan of Idaho Public Television, I will be on the Idaho Reports show 
show on Friday mm-hmm. evening, and then it re-airs on their website and again on Sunday morning, uh, talking about the private school scholarship bill, uh, talking about uh, the legislative session and all the different education initiatives that are out there. So a uh, couple of opportunities for you to dig in if you want to drill down a little bit deeper on some of the stories that we talked about today. As always, uh, follow us on Twitter at Idaho Ed News to see all of our breaking news. Right, and, and a lot to watch for next week. Obviously, we'll have uh, full coverage from the legislature on all the topics we've discussed today and more. Uh, we'll have the latest candidate filings, and I will also have a piece coming, a couple of pieces maybe uh, next week, looking at the school elections. We talked about bond issues uh, earlier in the show. Some big bond issues coming up around the state on, in, in March, including some bond issues in uh, West Ada School District, Bonneville School District. Also, supplemental levies, plant facilities levy, a big election day looming for school districts across the state. We'll have the rundown and the preview of that. So a lot to get to next week. So if you thought this week was busy, uh, next week is looking like another busy one. All right. Thanks so much, as always, for joining us as we try to break down this complicated intersection of school policy and education politics. We have a lot of fun tracking the legislature and sharing out what we learn with each and every one of you. So thanks to everyone who takes the time to listen to the Extra Credit Podcast and who spends time at IdahoEdNews.org. We really appreciate it, and that's why we do this. As always, thanks so much for listening. I'm Clark. I'm Kevin. Have a good week. 